Hello, everybody. You are listening to the MS Mobile Show. This is the podcast that helps you get the most out of the Microsoft services you use on all your mobile devices. On this episode, we will be discussing Build 2015 and what that means to Microsoft Mobile fans. And, of course, we're going to discuss our personal app, music, and podcast tips. My name is Vernon E.L. Smith. Today I'm joined by my friend David V. Kimball. David, may the 4th be with you, sir. May the 4th be with you as well. I think the hype for the next Star Wars movie is just thick in the air. <laughs> yeah, as, and to you as well. And to you as well. There's a little bit of uh, Catholicism built into it this year, I think. There, there's some, some rhetoric. Um, we have a guest joining us. Uh, we've only had a few guests on the show. We are happy to have... Robert Sherbet joining us. He has he's uh, many people know him from the Windows Phone and Microsoft community. Robert, how are you doing today? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, really quick, because I don't have this off the top of my head. Where can people find you? Well, I guess I remember the Twitter handle. Uh, you are the cheek, right? The cheeky Taurus or cheeky Taurus on Twitter. The cheeky Taurus. Somebody, somebody in South Africa has cheeky Taurus, and I can't wrangle it from their hands, so um, I am the Cheeky Taurus on Twitter, uh, but okay. I also have my website, CheekyTaurus.com, and uh, you know, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, they can either get to me through Twitter or through the website. Yeah. Cool, and um, you're not a stranger to podcasts either, Robert, are you? Uh, well, uh, until recently I had been, but uh, I've, uh, I'm honored to be one of the co-hosts, uh, thanks to Andrew Long, um, who uh, put together the 25.4 podcast, so myself along with uh, Andy, uh, Tim Gabriel, uh, Brandon, and uh, some occasional snark show up, uh, so we do that once a week, uh, 6.30 Pacific time. Uh, we broadcast live, but uh, we, of course, have our... Uh, we do a 25-point... It's supposed to be 25.4 <laughs> minutes because that's the average commute length time in the United States. Um, we're, we're not really good at cutting off the audio at that point. <laughs> we've tried, but... Uh, and then we've had some requests to just kind of do the whole show in audio, so um, we're kind of experimenting with that a little bit. But you can always see the replays on uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool concept, though, of uh, the average commute time. Let's make a show around that. That's a really cool idea. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to keep, you know, trying to keep the the snark level and the potty mouth stuff. Uh, we are TVMA. Um, <laughs> I, we are rated I've as explicit. I've show, Robert. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we, you know, be be forewarned. It is labeled as explicit content on iTunes and uh, all the other podcasting services. But uh, we try to keep that to a minimum during the first 25. It, it's it's an entertaining show, and I, I I like listening to it, Robert. I'm I'm glad you guys have been able to put that together. And it is kind of interesting to see uh, the 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 new growth in Microsoft-based podcasts that have been yeah. coming up. I would say basically just starting at the end of last year into this year. Um, well, whatever. It's interesting, and I'm I'm happy to see that. I really do. So, Robert, thanks again for joining us today. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here. Listeners, if you do enjoy our show, please subscribe to the show. You can do that uh, using your favorite podcast app, of course. You can visit msmobileshow.com slash subscribe. And, of course, you can listen. You can watch the video version if you really want to. <laughs> we all enjoy Twitter here. We spend a lot of time on Twitter. You can follow MS Mobile Show on Twitter at MS Mobile Show. Please, uh, that's a great way to get a hold of us. Any tips or, or feedback you'd like to share, also, you can email us at contact at msmobileshow.com. 
Let's, um, I didn't look very closely here. We have, okay, as far as feedback, as soon as the first uh, keynote of build, uh, what, what would you even call that one, Robert? I mean, I don't the first one on Mon right? Monday? No, Wednesday? It was on Wednesday. And for and for people that are familiar with Build and have done have watched those keynotes before, um, it was interesting because my initial reaction was, did I sleep through day one? <laughs> What's going on here? Why are we starting with Azure? Um, it was a very unusual way to kick off the conference. That's that enterprise Azure stuff is normally a day two event, and people are kind of geared to expect that, you know. Um, so a little ways in, it was kind of like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. This this must be something really big must be going to happen. They're starting off slow. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Twitter is definitely like talking about that, like. It's strange to start on Azure and, and stuff. And everyone was yeah. quickly reminded that it was a developer conference and not primarily for consumers. <laughs> well, well, if I it think... makes people feel it a bit, or a lot of the developers themselves were going, what's going on? <laughs> Where's the free crap? <laughs> um, <laughs> well... But you know, to be to be fair, I think I think that the direction that people are expecting it to go actually says a lot about what Microsoft has done with Build the last few years. And I guess I don't really recall Build before 2011. Um, I don't know if I watched the 2010 one. I don't recall that. But I would say that we've been focusing, or at least it appears to be focusing more and more on consumer things, even though they're it's for developers, it's becoming more and more in the forefront of people's minds and in the, the public, the general um, you know, consumers. And maybe that's just my perspective on it as I'm seeing a broader aspect of Microsoft, but I don't know if you guys think that, that Mike, what do you guys think if Microsoft is, is going that direction? What do you think, David? Um, yeah, I, it is interesting because at least as far as a brand goes, Microsoft's a lot more of a consumer brand. At least they've made a lot of strides um, to become a more consumer brand. So I think at least in perception, I don't know about necessarily reality, because enterprise and develop, development's obviously probably arguably the largest part of Microsoft still, but they're at least making strides towards more consumer image, I think. What do you think, Robert? Well, it's it's interesting. You know, it, what it, I don't think it was... The, the conference actually went through a rename, and the, the previous name is escaping me at the moment. But, uh, you know, they... I've kind of seen this, it's kind of swinging back towards more of the nuts and bolts of development because, you know, with the, the one in Redmond, uh, I think that was 2013, um, they held it there. It was the, the when the Lumia 920 uh, debuted, um, Windows 8 was debuting. They gave away that Samsung Series 7 slate uh, to all the attendees. They had the 920 dev kit they gave to all the developers. And that was, that was, very splashy in terms of the consumer aspect of uh, what they were trying to go. Yes, the developers were the, the target audience for the conference itself, but the content, it's, it was very consumery. Um, I think that was probably true uh, last year to a certain degree, um, but what we saw, interestingly enough, with this conference, with the day one starting out the way that it did, um, and a less of the showy, splashy consumer stuff. It really seems to to be getting back to its its purpose, for, which was it's a developer conference. 
conference. It's where developers go to learn about what Microsoft is doing for them in order for them to use their skills. So I think in that context, it makes a lot of sense the way that it started off. Azure is a very big part of what Microsoft is building. One of the things I tweeted out on Thursday, I think it was Wednesday actually, was Azure is, I think, is going to become the new core of Microsoft, whereas Windows was the, the big workhorse. Windows is still going to be something you pay for in the enterprise, but with making Windows 10 a free upgrade for everybody running 7 or 8 on the consumer side, um, that's pretty huge, and that's a, a lot of income that's going to have to be replaced somewhere. And if you look at the growth that's going on in Azure, um, it's clear to me that that's, that's going to be one of the foundational pillars, mobile first, cloud first world, that that speaks to that. So right. Yeah, and if you look at Satya's background, he comes from Azure too, so that would make sense from that standpoint too. Yeah. So I just I, I yes, it was a little shocking having been there two years in a row and or well, yeah, that was my this was my third one. I guess twenty twelve was the one in, in uh, Redmond. Uh, so I've been going to the one in San Francisco since twenty thirteen. So yeah, it was a little bit different. It was a little, but it does reflect the change in the company and the direction that's happened over the last year. And it was very much Satya Nadella's build conference. It wasn't Balmer's build conference. Hmm. So uh, again, that just goes to the massive changes that are going on at Microsoft right now. Well, to to trans transition into some of the things that were actually covered there, uh, soon after the build conference was over, or that the keynote, I should say. Well, both David and I happened to be available to watch it and live tweet it or, you know, just be participating. And as soon as it was over, I bolted off. I was meeting in-laws for food and that kind of stuff. And basically, the end, my technology ended <laughs> for quite some time for me right then. <laughs> but David uh, paid very close attention to the show, of course, and he, or, and he got some good um, images, too. And we ended up putting together a poll about the top four things that... Um, Substantial things that we came about or were announced at Build <clears throat> uh, that keynote. David, would you like to cover that that poll for us, please? Yeah, sure. So we released the poll, like Vernon said, pretty soon, probably within a few hours after the conference. And uh, what we wanted to like know, twenty-four minutes. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, you're probably sooner than that. I mean, that depends on like when you think the conference ended, because it didn't really end at all at that point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the keynote, right. So minutes after the keynote, um, we got we wanted to know what you guys felt was the most exciting part. And um, and we used uh, Straw on Windows Phone, so um, we felt like limiting it to four options would be a good way to get um, response and sort of narrow down sort of the central interests. So the four options were, was the most exciting part, iOS and Android apps on Windows, uh, Microsoft Edge, formerly known as Project Spartan, the, its reveal, Continuum for phones, or HoloLens, because uh, they sort of went through and demoed each one in, uh, to some degree. And so the responses we got, again, we got a, to a total of 68 responses, and 43, actually we'll all start from the lowest percentile first. 9% uh, said Microsoft Edge, 22% said HoloLens, 26% said iOS and Android apps on Windows, and 43 of you said Continuum per phone is the most exciting part. And Continuum, of course, referring to the sort of flexing and adapting of the operating system uh, on a mobile operating system to fit a, uh, a larger screen uh, and, with, and working with desktop-like peripherals. So I, thought, I felt like those were interesting uh, responses. Not too surprising, though, I would say. And it's, it is a little bit... Um... 
I guess it's not actually surprising we got such a low number of responses too, because after that, I basically just dropped Twitter to shut off. I just didn't do anything with it. So I only mentioned it once on Twitter. On the, I think on the MS Mobile Show Twitter account, we only mentioned it once. So, folks, we apologize if you didn't see this. We're going to try to get these uh, polls out a little bit broader to people in the future. But I think easily the most thrilling thing from Build, at least from that keynote, was HoloLens, at least from a consumer standpoint. Uh, Robert, w would you agree, at least from the Build, from the, from the keynote itself, not talking about the hands-on? Well, you know, I, what I find interesting about that poll result is I think it actually goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier about the, the divide between consumer and developer target audiences because uh, I, I, I definitely as a developer and actually having gone through the HoloLens Academy while I was there for four hours, uh, HoloLens was the biggest, even during the keynote, HoloLens was the biggest thing that came out of that for me. But from a consumer standpoint, it actually does make perfect sense that the the top result would be the the continuum for phones because that's what's going to really hit a lot of the the most average everyday user. That's going to be the thing that hits them most. So um, I, I would agree with the result in the context of uh, yeah, of uh, you know what's going to affect the consumer most. But as a developer, I got to say uh, it was all about Hollywoods. Yeah, it was all about Hollywoods. And as far as the lowest result, you know, 9% for, for Microsoft Edge, uh, you know, of course, Project Spartan. I think that the, the, the value of Spartan itself was a little bit muted because of the name that they came up with. I'm not disagreeing with the choice on Edge uh, for, for a few different reasons, but I would love if they would have kept with Spartan or they would have come up with something awesome. But Edge is, I mean, it's your browser, okay, and it's like, there's so many people, okay, click the E on the bottom, and you'll get, you'll go to the internet. Um, you know, I just that, told my that's son... That's exactly I, why it's called Edge. I actually told my son last night, we were watching, um, I pulled up a, he was saying, I want to watch fire trucks. So I pulled out the old, the OG Surface, and he, um, we, we go, you know, fire trucks for toddlers. Actually, I just typed, started typing in fire trucks, and it... <laughs> It suggested fire trucks for toddlers and fire truck videos for toddlers. So I said, okay, here, I'll show you how to do this again. And I go, here, hit E, E for internet. You know, like, not that that, <laughs> not good uh, way to teach someone uh, the alphabet. But, and that's the same way whether the kid is, is two years old or someone's 75 years old or even people my age who, I work with some people who, that <laughs> that is the internet for them, um, you know, so whatever. Um, yeah, it wasn't very glamorous, but I really am gl I'm glad to see them progressing with it, and we'll see what the next iteration is. And I, I think we're going to have that on Windows 10 build here pretty soon. Actually, is it already on? I don't even know. Well, Do you guys keep using mind, now? The thing about, like, as far as we got from Microsoft Edge from build, it wasn't a whole lot of information about it. It was just, hey, this far that you kind of know, this browser that you kind of know about and have a chance, had a chance to look at, this is its real name. And that's kind of all. So it makes sense why there wasn't a ton of hype around it because they didn't really cover anything new about it necessarily. They just said, this is what it's called, and this is the new logo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I right, think well, that... Uh, sorry. Well, I was going to say, Robert, as a developer, how do you feel, how backstabbed do you feel that every single iOS and Android app is now going to be on Windows Phone? 
you know, and and I'm 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 probably in. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not in a minority. I don't feel backstabbed at all. Um, I first and I'm a developer. That's my trade. That's what I do. But I'm also Microsoft is my playground, and I try to take more of a thirty thousand foot view of things like that, and and look at it from the big picture standpoint. And the big picture is that this is really good for, for Microsoft and it's good for Windows as a platform. I mean, one of the things that I pointed out to, to a few people that I didn't hear anyone say was, you know, when apps generally get written for iOS first, they get written for Android second, which, by the way, has to be a ground-up rewrite. There's no code sharing between iOS and Android. So this... You know, if, if they're going to put it on Android, they're putting it there because of users, but they do have to write that, that app from the ground up. Um, and then you have the other, the, 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 the kind of the same but the flip of that where you got to write a Windows Phone app from the ground up, but there aren't any users really from the U.S. standpoint to make it worth their while. So the, the cost of doing that was a big deal. Now, Microsoft has come in and said, okay, hey, iOS developer, take your Xcode project and recompile that right within Visual Studio as a Windows Universal app, tweak it for notifications, tweak it for live tiles, and push it out to the store. Now, if you're an iOS developer, and you can get your app running not just on Windows Phone, but getting it to run on Windows and the Xbox all at the same time, are you going to put all of that? Where is your first effort going to be after you get done writing your Windows Phone app, your 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 iOS app? Is it going to be to go rewrite it for Android, or is it going to be to go put it on the billion devices running Windows 10? Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that question may the answer may not be as obvious depending on what type of app it is, but in general, um, it makes sense. Go the next easiest route. Just get it out there. Get it in the hands of people. Um, sorry, Robert. Can, no, I have a quick question for you, Robert, real fast before you continue. Um, someone brought up a good point about it, though. Is is it is like it's supporting Swift or just Objective C? It does right now. The tool is just supporting Objective C, but it is going to support Swift. Okay, that okay, that is an, okay. Good. I'm really yeah. glad to hear that because someone yeah. had a concern like, well, Objective C is no longer you know the current you know uh, language for Apple iOS device stuff. Yeah, so. I haven't had a chance to dive into it, but I did see to uh, see a tweet today uh, from I forget where it was saying Microsoft is going to be supporting Swift with their bridges. Okay, uh, well, that's great to hear. All right, I just want to make yeah. sure. Yeah, so, I mean, now, look, I don't know if that's actually going to materialize in terms of the mindset of an iOS developer putting their app on Windows Second instead of, of Android, but, you know, one of the interesting things they had, um, you know, Gabe All was there, uh, and Joe was there, and they were doing these insider uh, sessions up on the second floor where you could basically, it was a Q&A where, you know, you go ask them a bunch of questions about Windows. And one of the things that came up was specifically about what is it that is keeping or has historically kept third parties from bringing their iOS and Android apps to Windows Phone. And for a lot of people, the obvious answer to that question is, well, it's the market share in the U.S. It's the market share in the U.S. But it's actually a lot more complex than that. It costs money to develop an app for Windows Phone. I have an iOS app. I have code. I've already spent a lot of money to develop an Android app. And now I have to go write that app from the 
the ground up a third time for Windows Phone because the development paradigm is so different. And I think that that uh, Joe spoke to that a little bit about you know tr the whole point of this is to try to reduce the amount of friction and barriers and cost involved for these third party uh, players to put their apps on Windows and Windows Phone. So that approach going universal. Um, providing these bridges to getting the, the uh, an Objective C app recompiled down to a Windows Universal app, mind you. And again, PC, Xbox, phone, devices everywhere. That's what these apps are going to. That's what this is going to allow these iOS developers to expand their reach. That is not a story for a .NET developer, but it's a really great story for the platform. And uh, I think over time by them taking this tact and trying to remove all of these financial and, and process barriers and making it really easy, I think it solves so many of the problems that have plagued Windows Phone up to this point. Um, it, it, he, he coined it as is getting the barriers out of the way and allowing the market forces to do what they do. Um, and market forces don't do what they do when they have a lot of barriers in their way. People aren't going to expend time and energy. So that's what this is about. It's, you know, the, the debate about the hamburger menu and, you know, panoramas going on. Yeah, that's all true, but but it, it allow it, it contributes to reducing that friction and getting all that stuff out of the way so that, yes, some things might look a little more universal across the three platforms, but wouldn't you want a Snapchat app, don't you? You, know, you, you want these third-party official apps, and this is the way we, I think we get them um, on our platform. I think it would be interesting to like survey a range of Windows Phone users and say, hey, look, what is more important to you? Do you want, first off, do you hate the hamburger menu so much that if you had it on a Snapchat app, like, you'd rather forsake getting a Snapchat than having the awful hamburger menu, right? Like, to what point do you really hate design elements? Or, on the other side, at what point do you love pivots? Do you love panorama? Uh, enough to say, you know what, I love this so much, I'd rather actually not have this Snapchat app or, you know, whatever it is, so that I can maintain this, you know, UI that I love so much. I think it'd be interesting just to see. Would you, do you have any particular insights on what you think people would say about that? Well, it's uh, well, let me put. Uh, here's another can of worms. It's probably going to get some some folks inflamed. But think of it as, uh, think of it as Microsoft as Stephen Elop addressing all of those Symbian developers and telling them that they were on a burning platform. That was true. The platform was dying. It's not. It was losing market share. It was bleeding it. Well, the the parallel to that is, uh, Panorama controls are on a burning platform. Yeah. We're not getting the uptick. We're not getting the users. We're not getting the apps. And you can stand there on the burning platform and hold on to your dear panorama menu <laughs> or stick the hamburger menu, or you can accept that you're going to have to make some changes to kind of go with the flow. And I, I think that uh, I think the majority of people, I think the vast majority of people are going to be ready to go with the flow. I think a lot of the noise you hear about this it is a minority. It's a very vocal minority, but I think it's a minority. And uh, even though there might be 650 comments on a Windows Central article about the hamburger menu, that is a very tiny fraction of the actual yeah. people that are not commenting on that article. So uh, I, the, there's a certain amount of perception distortion uh, when you get 
kind of tunnel vision into your Twitter feed and into the comment sections. Yeah. They can kind of think that that's the way the real world is is perceiving things. And I, 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 that's when you need to take a step back and kind of try to the thirty thousand foot view and see where things really are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I guess for <laughs> in general when we do UI changes, I just would love to be. I want to end up on the right side of history, if that makes any sense. And it's, it's, who cares? This is technology. This is mobile technology. It's going to be gone. Windows Phone will be a distant, you know, memory by the time our, we're talking to our grandkids. But like, it's, it's, to me, the, the Windows Phone Seven was just so great in what they were trying to do. They didn't necessarily achieve it in marketplace, but a lot of, I think the. The Metro design really did catch on for a lot of different different things. I don't that. That's just my opinion. That's my those are my emotions coming out there. Okay, I missed that and I missed how it seemed right, and it yeah, seemed I, to make sense. I, I totally it, agree with it you. It was there. tiny market share. Yeah, I mean, I, I I I'm in the same boat. I mean, yes, it it pains my heart to look at. <laughs> Uh, open up the current build of Windows Phone 10 and actually see that kind of material design-ish Android-looking settings screen Yuck. and just kind of, oh, that's so ugly. But you, at some point you have to kind of, I mean, that was my initial reaction to Windows, that last build. I opened it up and I saw that mess and I was like, oh, I'm going to have, this is trauma, I can't look at it anymore. I had to close it for two days because it was just, <laughs> It really did. It was like this is. I had to come to a level of acceptance about what was going about to change, mm -hmm. um, and then you kind of do have to inject some some logic and kind of step back from the emotional aspect of it. And when you look at the landscape, it, it really does kind of make sense. So, yeah, you got to battle yourself in that one, I guess. Yeah. All right, David. Let's talk about the most popular uh, item from Bill, at least in our poll, and why this is much. Um, a much brighter conversation than the hamburger man you debate. <laughs> Continuum for phone. Um, again, just really quickly to recap for those of you who are not familiar, Continuum with phone essentially means, this is not specifically correct, but essentially it means you can take your phone, running Windows 10, uh, that's optimized for touch, and you know, and use your, your um, portrait uh, applications. Plug it into a large screen with a keyboard and mouse peripheral, and view not only the contents of your phone screen on this larger screen, but when you open an application, the example they gave was Microsoft Word, it would fit and change for that new, um, uh, that new widescreen environment you're in, and you can use a mouse and keyboard with the same mobile app you're using with touch on your phone just a bit ago. Essentially, that means your phone's a portable PC in... in, in Basically, is what it means. Do you have anything to add to that, Vernon? Well, it looks pretty stinking cool. I'll just say that. And they, what something they were very clear about. Joe B mentioned that uh, you will need new new hardware for this, which of course means that there is new hardware coming. We knew we knew that, but it's just encouraging to hear him say that. And uh, we're expecting it to be a pretty pretty powerful device to do this. Uh, I was a little bit unclear to me whether it means that Word on my phone. You know my my Lumia 940, whatever we're gonna get later. Whether Word on my phone is now, if my phone is directly running the same program just in a different mode on a display, or if it actually means that since I started Word on my phone, 
but then it's triggering the desktop application or the, uh, I guess, uh, the universal word on the PC. I, I, maybe I just missed that part because to me, on my phone, how big is that program if it truly is Word, Word, or let's just say Outlook, for example. There's so much involved in Outlook. Uh, I can't imagine my phone actually even putting all that that whole program on my phone itself, the, the, the desktop version of Outlook. Well, well, keep in mind that the desktop version of Outlook is the phone version of Outlook. This is That's the whole point of universal apps is that there is no different version now. It, when you run a, a universal app, like if I go right, if I take Hashtastic and I, I rewrite that as a universal app, I'm only going to have one code base. Um, I will publish the same binary to the Windows Store. It will be available on the phone and the desktop. When I download it to either one, it's just going to run. But at the end of the day, it's the same binary. And that's the same concept. Um, that's the whole point of Continuum, I think, in terms of unleashing the ability to uh, really see the full potential of a universal app. You're, you, yes, you are going to be running the version of Word the, the, on the phone. The whole point of Windows 10, though, is to make the operating system adaptive to the form factor you happen to be running on. And when you plug a, a Bluetooth keyboard and a larger display into a phone and use Continuum, that's just one more extension of that ability to adapt to the different form factor that's being built into Windows 10. So now, instead of just seeing the condensed view of that application that is, is Windows 10 has, has reformulated and adapted from a form factor standpoint for the phone, now I've actually, it's going to redo that and it showed me the entire uh, same universal app uh, on this larger display. I liken it to a little bit of the experience with HoloLens. So HoloLens, again, will take a universal app. So you could have the same binary of Word running on your desktop PC and then it'll run on your phone and then it will also run on HoloLens. And... Uh, Think of the HoloLens as just another form factor. So, and it will adapt to that form factor just like it will adapt to the phone and adapt to the PC. So, and the Xbox One eventually. That's that's the fantastic thing about. It. That's why developers should be excited about universal apps, because yeah, you're going to probably have to do some tweaking to your code to be able to adapt to the different form factors. But you know, right now I have a code source branch for Hashtastic for Windows 7.0. Windows Phone 7.0, I have one for 7.8, I have one for 7.1, I have one for 8.1, uh, and I, if I make a change somewhere, I had to go traditionally make that change in three different code branches and upload three different packages, and I had to manage all of that. And as a developer, I don't have to do that anymore. And as a user, you don't have to worry about that anymore. That's the great thing for consumers, is they're just going to download this, they're going to buy this one thing, it's just going to work everywhere. There's no more of this three different applications. Here's my question, though. But like, again, going back to the example of Word is, and right now we have okay, we have Skype, Skype parentheses desktop and parentheses, and then you have Skype, and people are just supposed to kind of know that one version is going to be, you know, and, and it's not even touch app versus desktop app anymore because of this new universal app like idea, right? So uh, when this new version of Word comes out, that'll work on your phone and everywhere else. What about like Word 2016? Are they the same? Or is there like a touch version? Like how how is that going to work? 
Well, I, I can't. I, I do know that all the Office apps are being rewritten as universal apps, uh, similarly to the way uh, uh, Spartan is being done. It's going to be a fully fully baked universal app. Um, Skype is a little bit different, though, because there's a different target audience for Skype. There's two different. There's Skype for business and there's Skype for the regular consumer. And the Skype for business, and like I'm in an enterprise environment, there's always going to be Skype for desktop. It's always going to be a Windows 32 app. Uh, and Microsoft spoke to that during build, because, uh, this whole new concept of allowing uh, people to package their Win 32 apps as AppX uh, deployments okay. and put those in the Windows. That's how Adobe... Uh, uh, Photoshop and all the other big Win32 apps are actually going to be in the App Store. Is is right. Microsoft is providing the tools to be able to repackage those as their own little sandboxed Windows AppX apps. Wow, that's really cool. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so that, I mean that was one of the so that that was one of the things about the keynote. They sandwiched some of the stuff and tucked it in, and people didn't really notice it. But yeah, that's that was another big thing that came out of Build. So. Uh, as far as Word goes, uh, I, there will always be a certain amount of the feature set that's going to be exposed on a larger screen or may not be available altogether on the phone. But that's that's not Microsoft's goal. Microsoft's goal is to have a version of Word that just runs everywhere and you don't have to worry about who the target audience is and it just adapts to the form factor it's running on. Um, and I think over the long term, you're still going to see that mix of, of uh, Win32 Office uh, out there, but uh, over time, I think we're going to see the touch version adopted pretty fairly widely. Mm -hmm. Well, not to, yeah, just to kind of wrap that part up, I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around it because I live in Outlook, Outlook uh, 2013 or even 2010 at home. Um, and, <clears throat> or 20, yeah. Um, and to me, if I were to take that whole Outlook, okay, and put it on my phone, I'm going to have a very sizable app that I'm using a little, very little bit of on my phone, and I wouldn't want all the stuff, all the features of Big Outlook, I'll just call it that, uh, on my phone, and vice versa. I can't imagine taking a reasonably sized application from a phone and then blowing it up, putting it on the desktop, and then having very few features crammed in there. And hopefully, I'm just overthinking it. And you did, you know, I, I'm understanding where you come, where you're explaining this pretty well, Robert. I just, I just hope it's, it's just works magically without me having to worry about it. Luckily, I'm not a developer, so I don't, yeah. I'm not gonna be scratching my head over this well, too and, much, and, much more. But, and I, I don't want to confuse the issue. I mean, I, I think I misspoke. There will be, there, I think there will always be a, a, a Win32 version of Office. Uh, for the okay. interview, like that, but I think what you're going to see is for more on the consumer side, uh, more people don't mean. they don't need full powered Outlook, they don't need full powered Word, so their their go to is going to be this much smaller uh, universal Word application that doesn't take up as much disk space, disk space, disk space doesn't have as much, many features in it. Uh, as the full-powered version does, and that's going to be more... And I don't know, Microsoft may get to the point where, hey, let's look at all the stuff that isn't being used and rip it out, and now we've got one version of Office everywhere. So I, I don't know how that's going to go, but I, I don't think the problem you think you think you're going to have, you'll actually have. Well, that makes more sense. You're saying that there's still going to be... Well, I guess Enterprise Outlook probably is a pretty good name to give it, actually. Um, maybe... 
and then the consumer outlook which is also tablet outlook which is also phone outlook that maybe i'm oversimplifying it now but you know, funny though it's on the office for business <laughs> as opposed yeah. to uh office at home <laughs> office yeah yeah no that work may, emails can't use to, to get that, no work done on that one yeah. yeah that may be reasonably where they're going with this okay all right let's jump ahead here hololens let's compare this to the $72,000 Apple Watch. Wait, no, what is it? 15000 $12,000? And the, let's compare it to Google Glass. Um, uh, Robert, I'm, I have a suspicion there may be an Apple Watch in your house. Is that true? Not yet, but one okay. is coming. And it's not mine. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, how would you compare HoloLens, the pricing, and, of course, the capabilities, way distant, uh, to a, a high-end Apple Watch? Well, uh, let me first address the pricing. Somebody did ask, Alex Kipman, who is the, the guy we saw on stage uh, doing the HoloLens demo, uh, one of the smartest people on the face of the planet, um, what uh, what the pricing was going to be on the HoloLens, and his response was affordable. Everybody at this conference will be able to afford one. Um, and when I hear affordable from somebody like Microsoft, what I hear is sub $1,000. Um, my personal prediction is we're going to see it debut somewhere in the range of 699 to $899. Wow. Uh, that's kind of where I think they're going. And uh, one of the great things about Build was I was one of 10 people to be quick enough on the draw on their email, a Windows Insider emails. I actually got to have lunch sitting directly across from Gabe All uh, on nice. uh, Thursday. Uh, no, it was Friday. Um, and the last day of Build uh, with several other people that were also quick on the email. And that was one of the things we talked about was, and his direct quote was, I think people are going to be honestly shocked at the price uh, that they're going to peg it at. So I still think it's going to be sub-1,000. I think it'll be in the range of six ninety nine to 8 maybe nine ninety nine. But I think people are going to be able to buy one. And, oh. and it is, over the long term, going to be worth a hell of a lot more than that Apple Watch. Well, both, yeah, in terms of, both in terms of practical impact and usefulness, uh, but also in terms of changing the world. And I'll tell you right now, I've told a couple of people this, the HoloLens is going to change the world. I, I honestly believe that. I can see that so easily. That is amazing, the things you could be doing with that. Um, and, you know, Robert, both you and, and the other uh, hosts on the 25.4 podcast, you spent a reasonable amount of time talking about the demos you went through, very in-depth, and I really like that analysis. And I would love to get... I would love for you to just tell everyone again what you just covered on your show, but even, folks, if you want to go back and listen to their most recent uh, episode, uh, they go into more depth on HoloLens. We have a lot of other things to talk about. Uh, David, yeah. Yeah, what, uh, David, as far as the Google Glass, I don't, think you've, I don't know if you've used one or not, but people know Google Glass um, came out almost three years old now, I think. $1,500 for the thing. You only had to get it via, you only get it via invite. It was... Uh, Basically, you know, set of glasses that you had, um, I guess, kind of picture in picture, and uh, you could use it outside. That is a, a large difference between that and the hall lens, as I understand it. But it really is just, you know, like getting pop up stuff or whatever. And 
to me, if, the, if Google is selling it as a demo device for fifteen hundred bucks, it must have cost even more than that per device. Yeah, Maybe I'm wrong. Actually, I have had the opportunity to use uh, Google Glass, uh, and as far as you know, comparing it to Hololens, you know how it's similar. You put it on your face. That's how it's similar, right? Like it's a very, very, very different product. Um, it's funny because Google uh, utilizes voice commands and, and things like that, uh, which I mean, I, I guess are sort of comparable. Um, my favorite thing is when a friend would walk up to me and say, "Glass, take a picture," and it, it would sort of, I would sort of involuntarily find myself taking a picture because somebody else told my glass to do it. I was like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? You can't do that. So that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, they're very different products. Um, and I think I think it'd be hilarious if what Robert's saying is correct. I think it'd be hilarious to see such a big price gap. Uh, and I, I think Google will be embarrassed if their product is more, like, way more expensive than Holland's just because of everything you can do with Holland's. It's just so much more vast and, uh, like Robert said, world-changing. So I guess we'll see. I think it'd be really interesting to see, and I'm not suggesting Google does this, but it would be the, the the impact would be so much greater if they did come out with Glass Two or something. Basically, I think they basically dropped the program, as I understand it. But what what if they iterated on that? How good could it even be compared to Hololens, a first gen device, uh, Hololens itself? And this is basically, I mean, Robert, you had hands on with it you know, quickly. I mean, it, it's pretty much ready to go. To, to get packaged and go on short store shelves, apparently, right? It's it's not far off. Uh, they they are very clear that we were using and experiencing continued prototype hardware. Um, they've still got some kinks to work out. Um, I, we don't have any definitive information, but the the average guess as to when we would actually see the actual hardware be available for sale is six to eight months, maybe. Um, is what we're kind of guessing based on what we saw. Um, but, yeah, I, I, to David's point, Glass, it's not just a different product, it's a completely different purpose. Um, I, I liken Glass to uh, the Apple Watch. I put those two things in the kind of the same category. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, they're kind of cool. Yeah, they might be nice. They're not going to change the world. Um I think HoloLens has a greater potential to actually change, fundamentally change the way we interact with computers at home and at work, um, games, practical applications for the enterprise. Uh, I don't see that, that Google Glass with its form factor and its limited capabilities actually has uh, the potential to have that kind of broad impact. Yeah, I agree. And the, I and the, Apple, and the Apple Watch certainly doesn't. No, I just wanted to share those kind of because of the the impact they had at the time, you know, or the you know the the, the hype impact and also the pricing, and I I just cannot I don't know how you could get a Hololens. I can see how you could charge two grand for that thing, and it would still sell well. I mean I I can't buy one. I'm not gonna spend two grand on it. Okay, but I think that the people. Yeah, but I think that the people that recognize the value in it are going to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, it'll be institutions. It'll be like a school or maybe um, potentially like a, um, a, a an advanced learning or someone with learning disabilities that could, I don't know what you could, all kinds of different apps you could do for that. Obviously creative, you know, stuff like they've shown in some of the, 
um, the promo, uh, you know, the demo videos, and just those people who can throw that much money at it, which are few, but it's just a really, really awesome toy, kind of like the Google Glass was too. You know, fifteen hundred bucks. Not many people spent that. Obviously, Hololens is quite a bit different, but, and that's my thought on what people who would who would spend two grand for it. I can't imagine it being the same price as as an Xbox One. I mean, they're going to fly off the shelves. And if if Microsoft isn't making money on each device at that, what does that mean? It's obviously building a a development, you know, like a I guess an app market for it. It's obviously pulling people into the Microsoft ecosystem. I mean, it's 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 it'd be amazing that way. But what if they sell? What if they have it five hundred bucks and they sell eight million of them? I mean, like, and they and it costs them a thousand to make. Well, what's going to be interesting about some of the things I heard, uh, for example, one of the things that came out of the lunch, there there are over 3,000 patents uh, Microsoft has uh, applied for that are involved in HoloLens development. And Microsoft has been working on this for longer than three years. Um, they have had to develop their own silicone. They are manufacturing their own chips. Um, they have had to invent new ways to process uh, data on chips because of this. And and that they have done all of this R&D with the end goal of making it an affordable device. So that has been ingrained in all their decision-making up to this point. So I don't – Microsoft is really big at doing the whole loss leader thing. We've seen that with the Xbox One, and, and you know they might be losing a little bit of money on them. Uh, I don't know if they're going to end up losing money at the beginning or not, but uh, what that you – sometimes can lose initially in a small amount of volume you could make up for in large volume. And by hitting it at just the right point, uh, they might not have that problem. So we'll just see what happens. I'm just excited for it, even if I can't afford one. Um, I mean, I haven't bought an Xbox One yet, but um, I'm just looking for This is just so cool, and I, I can't think of another company. I mean, I guess you could, you could say uh, SpaceX is doing some pretty amazing things, but they're not doing anything necessarily new it's still a progression but anyway this um, or you know Tesla whatever it's very very cool but we gotta move ahead we're like we like use up the whole show already uh, David you put all the the news items in here I appreciate you've done that yeah just handle this and skip over what you'd like to but I um, I'll shoot through them real fast <clears throat> the, we talked about the Apple Watch briefly I thought it was interesting I saw an article recently of uh, not a man a woman that was arrested I need to edit this um, <clears throat> She was arrested. She was a part of the uh, New York protests, and she was arrested, put in a cell. Uh, they confiscated her phone, but not her watch, which happened to be a Apple Watch that she was testing, and she was able to communicate with people from her watch while in her cell. And so I just thought, I mean, it's not much to that piece of news. Uh, she, her, she has a blog post about it on Medium, and you can find it on the in the uh, notes. But like we're getting to the age where it's like it's not no longer good enough to take their phone. You gotta like look at all their wearables and like maybe their earrings can do something, or maybe they have a nose mm -hmm. ring that can do something. And like that might get kind of invasive at some point. You know, at what point do you say just let it go? Uh, so I thought that was an interesting story. Um, the other piece, it's not necessarily Apple related, but um, the new Samsung S6 Edge commercial, uh, people were tearing it apart for just in some people's words shamelessly sort of copying Apple's approach to the, how they do advertising uh, post-jobs and sort of with Johnny Ive and all that. The way the way you have the British accent sort of 
speaking about things very eloquently. Uh, and and uh, the amount of dislikes on YouTube is is kind of sad, but YouTube's YouTube, so I won't read too much into that. Yeah, but it, it, that works on two levels. It, it's okay to poke fun at the big guy sometimes, and that's okay. I mean, and it's, but the other side, if it's working, well, I personally don't like Samsung. I really hate that they spend trillions of dollars on advertising, whooping potentially better OEMs out there, uh, but they're they're. It's working for them, yeah. so you know, c coming up with a good, you know, um, what a, I'm not, what is the good artists copy great artists steal like whatever, like, whatever. It's capitalism. Let them let them at it. Yeah. And even if there's some controversy, well, that's even better for, for getting uh, eyes. Uh, or, yeah, you know, infamy is just as good as being famous in this day. So, do you have any thoughts before we move on to Google News, Robert? Uh, just from a Samsung standpoint, I mean, I. I they're hurting um, right now. They've spent an awful lot of money on marketing, and uh, it's starting to show on the bottom line uh, too. So um, we'll just see what. Let's have this conversation in a year and see <laughs> where Samsung's not doing financials as well are. As they did last year, year before. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh dear. so two pieces of Google yeah. news. First one: Google Plus has had a Twitter account for almost, actually, more than four years, and they just now posted their first tweet. Uh, you know, maybe at some point they're like, "Wow, maybe Twitter's a good idea." I mean, may maybe we could learn something. It's a new platform. I, mean, I don't know what their I don't know what their strategy is, but they have one tweet, and then the rest are replies that are all like memes and gifs and stuff to other users. And so they're doing something. I have no idea what they're doing and or what goal they have in mind for this. But um, it, it it raised a lot of eyebrows and got a lot of attention for what it was. Well, David, it's uh, it's. It's obvious. It's blatantly clear to me that they listened to our last episode. They're like, "Man, that David Kimball kid. He knows his Twitter stuff. We should probably use Twitter." You know what? If that was true, wow. I don't even know what I would do. <laughs> uh, and the next piece of news is uh, Google Voice is now, or Google, you know, Google Now, whatever you, you call it, is uh, now supporting third-party applications. Something that Cortana's done for a while. Uh, you can now. Uh, if you if you develop on Android, you can you know you know say you know start a chat with Vernon via you know whatever app, third party app that you WhatsApp, develop. Yeah, yeah. So that's all I have for news for Google. Any any more thoughts about those two items? Just just to say that I think uh, uh, most of the world is in agreement that we none of us know what the hell Google's doing. <laughs> yeah, they're just, just of, out there. That's they're kind just... of their mo. Here here's a bowl of spaghetti. I'm gonna throw up the wall, and I'm gonna see what sticks. That's kind of their <laughs> the way they operate. So, exactly. Ex yep, exactly. And it's funny how Google is still so well respected, at least by techie people. Well, you know, such a broad range. But Microsoft is dissed so easily, so often. But Microsoft is, I mean, as far as earnings, uh, I don't really follow a company because of their earnings. You know, I like. The underdog sometimes, but Microsoft also they're underdog in people's minds, and they're still whooping it with with uh, you know rev revenue and and net profit. So yep, whatever. The so mind share is just what happens coming to Windows Phone. Yeah, good. <laughs> Thank you, David. No Shut problem. up, Mark. Talk about the next thing. An app coming to Windows Phone. It's called Project Blue Dog, or at least that was the initial aim, name of the app. It is a Twitter app. It's similar to Tweetium. The name of it is 
Venice, Venus. I think they named Venice. F-E-N-I-C-E, kind of like Venice. At least that's the name that popped up on my live tile, although it initially was Project Blue Dog. I believe it's still... I did not double-check. It's It's been in beta for a bit, and I don't think it's out of... I don't think it's available yet. But look for that. It is very similar to Tweedium, and in a lot of good ways. I think the animations are actually a little bit better. I like some of the UI elements in there. A little bit better than Tweedium, although Tweedium is very difficult to beat. So look forward to that coming out. Project Blue Dog actually... If I would have been smart, I would have just searched in the store for it, see if it's available yet, but uh, check that out, Project, well, Fenice, F-E-N-I-C-E, or whatever they end up changing the name to. I don't recall the name of the developer. Uh, personal app picks, uh, I'm going to, going to go with Waterlogger. I have mentioned it before on a different podcast. Basically, just it's the best app in the Windows Phone store that's going to help you uh, track and kind of challenge yourself to drink more water throughout the day. Uh, the live tile can be done in a U, in a metro you know uh, style. The main <laughs> the main input interface is incredibly ugly, but it has the sound of trickling water, which amuses uh, m- many people in my family. And so uh, that's I guess that's a good thing. Um, so drink more water, folks. David, what do you have for an maybe, app? Maybe makes more for more trips to the bathroom too. Yeah, um, I'm surprised that they went with that, but. I mean, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, well, yeah, so my pick, I, I, I might have covered this before, I don't know, but I'm going to say it again if I have. Uh, the app is called Pimp My Band, and although the name is questionable as far as what I'd be interested in, um, basically it allows you to customize your Microsoft Band a little bit beyond some of the current uh, ability, you know, options you have to customize it right now. So you can change pretty much any hexadecimal uh, code color for any of the tiles, um, you can change the the wallpaper to from the stock, you know, options that give you to any image on your phone. Um, and so they have a little, little, sort of like a little hack app, I guess, if you want to look at it like that. Is this uh, one by Is this the one by Lance McCarthy? Uh, let me let me check. I'm actually not familiar with the developer. I, I know he has a good one that helps you build your your background on on the band, but I um I don't recall actually which one that I don't have a Microsoft band, so it's less relevant to me. Okay, um, no, it's made by a person named Fila Amigino. I'm completely okay. butchering the name. But one other funny thing about the app that I just must have gotten an update, because now it looks just like a Windows 10 application, actually. has hmm. some of the new design elements in it, so that's cool. So that's my app pick. Okay. Uh, uh, Robert, do you have a specific app you'd like to share with us today? <laughs> Hashtastic, of course. There we go. <laughs> uh that's that's my you know my plug for my own yeah. app, well, which I will say today. Yeah, share it a little bit. I mean, describe. Uh, I, I will officially <laughs> say today announce that I am going to make Hashtastic a Windows 10 universal app. Oh, so, nice. Uh, that will arrive hopefully around the time that Windows 10 arrives. Nice. Good. But uh, other than that, other than that, I am going to give some love to the official Twitter app. I know lots of people hate that app. They like using other stuff. I'm. Uh, believe it or not, I'm pretty low tech when it comes to app. I use Twitter Web on the PC. I use the, the official Twitter app on my phones. So do I. I like it. Works for me. So. Yeah. Actually, maybe that could be a, the Twitter tip if if you if you're okay with this, Vernon. Maybe um, Robert could go into a little bit of uh, his hashtastic app and how that like helps bring uh, Twitter communities That's a great together. Yeah. That's All a right. really good idea. Cover you know cover um, uh, 
Follow Friday stuff and, and all that. Um, yeah, we'll do that in a bit, though. We should go move on to yes. the music picks. Um, my music pick is a single by um, a band called The Exchange, and the single is called Spin. And The, uh, the Exchange is a rock band, and two of my per- actually three of my personal friends are in this band, and it's not like, you know, David, you're on a podcast, you know, talk about our band. They're big. Like, they're, they're fairly big already. Uh, and I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't listen to it or enjoy it myself. Uh, so I very much... And I think it's I think Spin is free. At least it was for a while. So um, check out Spin by The Exchange. It's an awesome rock song. Vernon, cool. what's yours? Well, I'm going to recommend in a... Uh, not a huge way, the new Yellow Wolf album. Uh, the first two albums by Yellow Wolf were great. This one is has a new album out. Uh, it is is okay. People who did not like Yellow Wolf in the past may like this album, and vice versa. Um, it is different. It's kind of going less rap and more towards the, um, I, I guess, southern. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of of um, Leonard Skinnerd in a way, but not necessarily. It's odd, but it's a new app. You can find it in the Windows in the uh, Xbox Music Store. A new al- album by Yellow Wolf. Um, Robert, what what would you recommend for music people should uh, consider trying out? Oh, they don't want to hear any of my music. I'm a band geek, so the the former band geek, so my musical tastes are probably not uh, shared by a lot of people. But one song, I, I I occasionally do fixate on a song that I keep coming back to in my. Uh, my shuffle in my uh, car, and that's uh, John Newman and Losing Sleep. Uh, I like that song a lot. It's got the good lyrics, good beat, and if you uh, want something you can kind of groove to, that's a good one. It's a good okay. coding song. Okay, cool. Uh, what are we... Okay, podcast picks. I'll jump into that, I guess. As far as podcasts, I'm going to recommend This Is Your Life by Michael Hyatt, um, and he's he's kind of basically just like a motivational speaker. I mean, he's he's been involved in a lot of things, but he's going to help you get. He's kind of a productivity, but but really um, making wise choices, wise life choices. Check it out. He's had a podcast for a while now. Uh, you know, well, I guess a couple of years. But this is your life with Michael Hyatt. Uh, David. All right, my podcast pick. Um, there. There's a podcast. It's, I think it's on a brief hiatus right now, but it is called The Successful Podcast. And the host, uh, a guy named Alejandro Reyes, he's a digital brand guy, and he interviews the coolest people that are really into uh, you know, di- online marketing and social media. And, um, for example, Gary Vaynerchuk, a guy I mentioned before, was a, was a guest. Um, and he has a lot of great ideas himself. Uh, right now he's doing a... Um, a vlog with his family called That Ray's Family, and uh, he's always dappling in new social media, new uh, stuff. So, uh, again, Success Fool is the name of the podcast, and you can like learn more about that at successfool.com. Robert, what's your podcast pick? Well, uh, it's going to be the 25.4 podcast, of course. Uh, you know, we uh, it's a group of developers, and we do we talk we talk some development stuff, but we also talk about just general news and stuff that's gone on during the week. Uh, it, the audio portion is 25.4 minutes, typically uh, the average commute length, like we talked about uh, previously, and uh, it's a 
great thing for you to listen to on your way in to and from work. We touch on development, but we touch on the consumer stuff too, and uh, there's always a health, healthy helping of snark in there too. So uh, that's uh, you can find us at uh, 25pt4.com. Uh, Can't have enough snark uh, during your commute. <laughs> yep. Well, Robert, uh, let's um, share with the listeners why you built your app, Hashtastic, and if they're using Twitter, especially if they're new to Twitter, uh, well, basically what you what you would do with that app and um, how it could help them in their Twitter, their journey through Twitter. Well, you know, if you're on Twitter, there's a, a typical, there's a tradition on Fridays called Follow Friday. There's also the take Throwback Thursday and, you know, with a couple other ones. But, I mean, the... I build apps because I want to do something that I I wanted to have an easy way to participate and follow Friday, and uh, the way of building tweets for a bunch of different people with a follow Friday hashtag on the web was it, it, it was and is difficult. It's not easy to do. Um, uh, autocomplete helps a little bit, but you have to know people's handles. And Twitter is a very visual medium, I think. Um, they recognize avatars and they recognize first names, not necessarily handles all the time. Um, so I built the app to give an easy way to consolidate um, people uh, and different uh, sources of information from your favorites lists and from your, any Twitter list you may have created or your timeline. People have mentioned you or RT'd something that you tweeted and kind of crunch that down into coherent lists of people that you can really easily select from uh, and get these bulk tweets out. Um, and then, of course, along came the avatar gallery uh, later on where you could actually uh, create a phone image uh, that placed their avatars on a start screen layout style and tweet that too. So not only did you have the benefit of seeing their handles and seeing the tweets, but you could also see their faces. And again, going back to that visual medium and kind of feeding that. Brought to you um, by Tyler. And it, it, it actually... Exactly, brought to you by Tileme. Uh, you know, Erte uh, uh, Shasko, who does the Tileme app, he's the one that wrote the uh, the assembly engine that I just I just has avatars to, and it gives me back a screen. So, uh, thank you for that, Erte. Uh, Erte was inspired or, or you know encouraged by David to come up with that. What was the specific, David? You you had the idea, and Erte implemented yeah. it. Yeah. So basically, Erte said, "You have a great idea. I'm a developer. Can I make an app uh, out of that? Out of your idea?" And I said, "Sure." So then that led to that, and then that led to being integrated into this. So it's like, you know, three. What is it? Seven degrees of separation, or whatever. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, but from a community, it is. You know, it is. I I I don't do a lot of Follow Friday anymore, mostly because my schedule gets busy and it requires a little bit of effort. I have to be choosy about where I put my effort these days, but uh, it, it is nice. It is gratifying to see that uh, that app used by the community. It uh, it has kind of I think contributed a little bit to that feel of community in the Windows and Windows Phone community, and hopefully with I get a new version for Windows 10 out, that'll help more. So awesome! Mm -hmm. I'm excited to whatever you know new additions you have in mind for that. But I know for now it's like like what you said. It, it isn't you know Twitter is a bare bones service, and I think well it's being expanded, but I think it should kind of stay that way, and so I think a companion app like Hashtastic is great for power users that want more information, like who's, you know, who's interacted with me recently, I don't want to have to, you know, dig through all my mentions and stuff, um, you know, you know who, who's been more active in these lists, who, who do I need to bump off these lists that are completely inactive, you know, things like that, it's very, very helpful, and it's not just for Fall of Friday, it's, it's, 
it, that's a large part of it, but it's a bigger tool than that. And I've I personally have gained a lot out of it. So I want to personally thank you on air here, uh, Robert, for your app. It's a great app. Thank you, thank you. You know, one of the most common things that I get is Twitter has lists. No oh, gosh. Yeah. People don't realize that you can actually create lists in Twitter oh. and actually use those in the app to organize people. And I very seldom ever seen I, I I see myself added on Twitter to like these random lists by a few people, and but I never see actual real people doing it. Really, um, Twitter's got a pretty robust list functionality. You should. They use do. I've been a user from it for years, and I love it. And it's just it's not supported on mobile at all, so that's probably yeah. a big reason. But uh, I love lists. I wish more people would it, use it. It can it can be. Um, I think even the mobile browser has options, um, at least for viewing, and you can add people to lists. But I think you cannot. Uh, it's goofy. Yeah, it's I mean, lists. Twitter doesn't Twitter does Twitter doesn't uh, push their list service that that much. But I think um, as far as like Tweetium, for example, it's built right in. You can pin a, a list right on to the top bar. You can That's even cool. have it launched to that list. I'm quite sure. I, th I think, and uh, that's one thing you would do if you're running a. Well, for example, the MS Mobile Show. We don't follow a whole bunch of people necessarily, but we do list people, and we want to kind of follow along with people when we get the opportunity. Um, so that's another episode we can talk into following versus listing and what have you. Yeah. Well, Personally, can I squeeze in one more thing yep. on that topic about Hashtastic? So yep. trying to manage lists on Twitter, huge pain because you can only add one person at a time. Hashtastic has actually, if you just want to do Twitter list management, Hashtastic's got really good, robust uh, Twitter list management. You can add multiple people at the same time. You can remove multiple oh, wow. people at the same time. Um, and you can do it all from the single interface, so it makes managing your list still a little bit easier. Nice. Sure does. I did not know that. I'm going to be using that for for that purpose um, as well. That's great, Robert. Thanks for. How long has that feature been been in there? Like a year. About a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been about a year. <laughs> okay. Well, as far as that's okay. Most people don't know about it. <laughs> Well, yeah. As far as the Follow Friday, um, I really, really like the tool that you built there, and I've seen it done, you know, used very, very well. Uh, one option, one way to do that as well, as far as the Follow Friday concept, um, and would be to, if, if there is truly somebody who you think is follow worthy, literally just type out, "Hey, this guy's cool to follow because of this." And I would imagine you're going to get at least a bit more respect from that person specifically, but also you may have um, uh, you're, you're you're focusing on them a little bit more, and probably don't do it on a Friday, <laughs> um, but uh, doing it that way and and that would that really helps build people's um, you know build your your respect I suppose one way or the other. One person who really does this well I think is Jared Easley. Uh, he's a podcaster. But he does quite a bit where he calls out, hey, um, this person, um, whatever, I'm glad I followed this person or something like that where it's specifically targeted. Um, now, that, of course, means you're putting a lot of time and effort into this, and Hashtastic um, is, is a great way to do that without having to just sit in front of your PC for hours or, or you know, to get the same result. So, um, yeah, that's just my, my addition to that. Uh, boy, what's what's left here? Let's see. Well, th uh, Robert, thanks for explaining that to everyone. For for one, the Follow Friday thing, and then also, uh, you know, your app, of course, is is great for for in, in many ways. 
that's about all we have for the show. Uh, we want to l- thank everyone for listening to the show, of course. If you enjoyed it, like I said before, please <laughs> listen again. Easy way to do that is to subscribe to the show with podcast app. Um, you can also go to msmobileshow.com slash episodes. You can see the video. Of course, we're on YouTube. And then listen to the other shows that are part of our HeyCon in a network, but the Tech Informist, CodeCast, and STL Tech Talk, they're all part of um, their sister shows, basically. Uh, Kevin Harvell, who, who's kind of the, the center of that. He's our producer, of course. So go, uh, you can find them um, via Bing or, or whatever. And please uh, share. Let let people know that this show isn't. We're not too bad. Uh, if you think it's okay, let someone know, and then uh, maybe they they might think we're not too bad either. So follow us on Twitter, MS Mobile Show, Facebook, MS Mobile Show, Google Plus, MS Mobile Show. You get the idea. Contact at msmobileshow.com if you want to email us. Um, I um, um uh, wow. Uh, David on Twitter is at David V Kimball. Robert is the Cheeky Taurus. I am at Vernon E.L. Uh, we do record every Monday at 1 in the afternoon in the Midwest, 11 Pacific, 7, oh yeah, 7 in the evening, London. It would be new, it'd be 2 o'clock Eastern. I'm not going to give any, I'm not going to uh, give you any more tips on that. Anything you guys want to add to this, folks? Uh, I, you know what? I think the least that Google Plus can do, because we gave them a shout-out, is they should follow the MS Mobile Show because we inspired them to go on Twitter and all that. I think that's the least they can do. Absolutely. Oh, I almost forgot. Happy birthday, Robert. Thank you very much. Robert has taken time out of his birthday to be on the podcast with us, and we want to thank him. So, yes, happy birthday, Robert. Yes, oh, and yeah. if you want to know my address to send me presents, you just DM me, and I'll be happy to provide you that information. Yeah. Oh, and I have a new child, so I'm I'm working through that. That's why I haven't spent a lot of time on Twitter. So. Congrats, Vernon. Congratulations, yeah. sir. Thanks. All right, that's it for the MS Mobile Show, folks. Wow, everyone, all that, folks, people. Um, <laughs> stay mobile. Stay mobile.